standby to launch fan stream sports. Let's start. Hello, sports fans. Welcome to FanStream Sports. Nothing. Nothing but pure sports. This is the JP Show. JP, it is so good to hear you back on the air. Stand by. Now, here's JP. All right. Welcome into a Monday edition of the JP Peterson Show, post-Buccaneers Friday. We got a huge story brewing with Wander Franco. Lots of NFL news to get to. Um, and... The great Sal Palantonio will be joining us at 10.30 today. He was in uh, Bucks camp this past week, had a sit-down with Baker Mayfield, uh, which I tweeted that out last night. Hopefully he got his little sneak preview of that. Uh, so Sal Pal will join us at 10.30, and we'll talk all things Buccaneers and the NFL. And I'll say good morning to you, Nick Geddes there in our St. Petersburg RHS TV studios. How are you, sir? You know, I wish I could say I was doing great. I was so excited to celebrate Creamsicle Day today. As you can see, I'm wearing the throwback Bucks uh, right there. You see Very Bucko nice. Bruce on the side. I tried to wear the Rondé Barber Creamsicle jersey today, but I left it at my at my mom's house. What? I left it at my mom's house, and I was very upset. But regardless, I wanted to celebrate that. I wanted to come on here and talk about what I thought all things considered was a good raise weekend with two sensational oh. walk-offs. Wanted to talk about Baker Mayfield, which we will, we still will celebrate that. But then I get hit with the avalanche known as Wander Franco yesterday and the allegations. And it's just, it's hard to almost be positive about the Rays after this whole situation, which I know we're going to get into here to start the show. Yeah, we're going to get into a lot of Bucks talk here in a few minutes. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time on the Wander Franco thing, but uh, obviously it is the top of mind story. And it has a lot of tentacles to it, right? It has a lot of tentacles to it. This is a player that you've given $182 million to. He is the cornerstone of your franchise. And, you know, this season, you know, last season was beset by injuries. And this season has been beset by self-inflicted wounds by Wander Franco. Uh, and a immaturity level that has come to the forefront that is really, really affecting this team. And, and this weekend is a perfect microcosm, as you said, Nick. I mean, those two walk-offs, Friday and Saturday, are momentum builders. I mean, that's something that you, you can, can catapult you into, you know, a great uh, uh, finish to this season, right? You finish August and September on a high note. This is, those are two wins that just get your juices going. Like, we can do this. We got the offense. You know, we got there's some magic still left in this team. And then you wake up on Sunday morning, and if that didn't look like a distracted team yesterday, then you're not paying attention whatsoever. And you know, so so if you don't know what the story that's going on, and I listen, the speculation here is, and I want to be very, very clear that in no way are we talking about you know this has definitely happened. Now the allegations are that Wander Franco had an inappropriate relationship with a minor. Now, this is all, there, there's also clear allegations here that there's some serious extortion going on. So when you see, you know, serious extortion going on, like $200,000 in Mercedes that, that, the, that the, 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 the victim is demanding, you know, right there, red flag, right? Red flag. Okay, let's, then we're not believing any of this stuff until everything is gone through. Um, but clearly there has been some type of relationship there. Um, you know, you can make your own judgments on Instagram. Look at the girl's Instagram. She looks and, and, and there's pictures of her with a baby, uh, her driving a car, drinking alcohol. But we don't know if that's the particular girl that we're talking about. 
So there's a lot of wild speculation going on. So to me, innocent until proven guilty, right? But that said, there's got to be a lot of smoke here. There is a lot of smoke, and there's probably some fire. Um, who, who knows? Because you don't take a guy off the field on the day that they're having Wander Franco snapback hat day, okay? He was in the clubhouse, was in the dugout until the fifth inning, they take Basabi out of the game the night before, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, to get him to Tampa Bay to start the game or at least be ready to play because Taylor Walls is on the injured list. Um, so, I mean, and then from an organizational standpoint, you send Kevin Cash out there and he has to tell everybody it's a regular day off. Come on, it's a regular day off on his on the on the on the promo day. You, you take the shortstop out of the – come on. Who's in the middle of a hot streak right now. Yeah, come on, man. And, and that's not on Kevin Cash. I'm sorry. No. It's not on Kevin Cash. That's an organizational decision. Like, this is what this organization does. They try to hide everything that they think is bad. we got to hide – sweep everything under the rug. Nobody will find out. Come on. You know, and, and to send Kevin Cash out there to do that, that's reprehensible, but not surprising – for the way this oper- this organization operates. But the, the, the sad part about the on-field stuff is, man, that that, that is, could have been a springboard. And now and Wanders, there's an IG post from him in the clubhouse with the music blaring, looking at all the comments. It's all in Spanish, so I don't particularly, you know, I'm not here to say I know what was going on, but it, the English translation has him refuting all the comments and the allegations while he's in the dressing room. And, like, Wait a minute. What? Like, what's going on? Like, is there somebody in the organization that's going to grab his phone and say, hey, man, whoa, 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 whoa. We can't be doing this. What are we doing? I, 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 it's hard for me to make sense of everything. I think as everybody I saw, he was trending yesterday, and I went through the whole rabbit hole and trying to find my way through the memes and everything and people, you know, making fun of it, which I think is just at this point, I, it's not a joke. These are, I mean, these are, these are serious allegations. If they're true, they're just downright sickening. If we're going to be completely honest here, um, so I had to swift through all those, and but everything's in Spanish, like you said, and it's hard to like get a read on it. And then people are trying to make translations, and even in the translations to English, I still find myself being really, really confused by the whole situation. So. It's like I was counting on you to do that because I, I started. I, I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same. I'm the same way. I'm. I just read every translation. And I'm like, I don't even know how to even like recap that translation. So, I mean, I know there's going to be more to this story. I'll tell you this: the fact that the Rays put out a statement—that's when it got real to me. Was when the Rays put out a statement about it, and that they were working with MLB and doing due diligence. That told me that okay, this is real. Like we're there's something here. We're gonna they're gonna investigate this. And you know, he was pulled in the fifth inning, I believe, yesterday was not in the clubhouse after. They packed his bags for him, which is interesting. And then Jeff Passan reported late last night that Wander Franco did not get on the team plane to go to San Francisco. And I kind of figured that was going to happen. Regardless of what's happened here, Wander Franco cannot play for this team at the moment during this investigation and everything they have to do. And I don't know how long that's going to take. It's not going to be something that's going to end this week, I would imagine. Right, unless they just completely find that there's nothing here, which I seriously probably doubt that they're going to figure this out in a week. So this might this might end up being a long term thing that he's not out there for this team, and that's when you shift to the the on field side of it. 
you already are a team that's ravaged by injuries in your pitching staff, which is really thin, and we saw that creep up this weekend against Cleveland where they really had to grind out two victories, and then the bottom fell out yesterday. Now you take out the face of your franchise, the guy who's been hitting at an elite level for like the past three weeks here, like the best hitter in baseball over the last three weeks. It's hard to find a good path for the Rays right now to, number one, catch the Orioles, and number two, in the grand scheme of things, I've been the most optimistic person there is on this team and calling them a World Series contender, but if Wander Franco's not there, you can just completely write the team off. End of story. And, and even if he's there, it's a distraction. That's the thing. This is a distraction to the entire organization that they shouldn't have to deal with, but they're going to have to from the face of your franchise. A guy, like you said, you gave $182 million to. A guy who in 2017, when he was like 16 years old, you gave a $4 million contract to right out of the Dominican Republic. They've gone above and beyond for Juan de Franco. And it just seems like this entire year, it has been nothing but smoke and off-the-field concerns, attitude concerns, whatever it is. All of it has happened this year for Juan de Franco. And quite frankly, it's sad. It really is sad for a player like this to have to continue to shoot himself in the foot. And again, I say that knowing that they're just allegations at the moment. But it still has not been a great year for Wander Franco off the field, even without these allegations. And this is just another layer to it. You know, I have no idea what it's like to be 16 years old and be handed a $4 million check. I have no idea what it's like to be 21 years old and be guaranteed $182 million for the rest of your life. I, I know this. I'd probably go out and buy some shiny things. Right. Um, but, you know, having those shiny things, you know, in, in your car and to be stolen $200,000 worth, which, ha- which happened a few, few, uh, years, a couple of years ago in training camp, uh, spring training, um, you know, the expensive cars, expensive jewelry, all that, the flash, the everything. Look, I get it. You're young, you're having fun. It just, you know, when things like this pop up, you're going, okay, like who is directing who, which, which role model, which mentor is 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 with this young man saying, hey, man, you know, save your money. Don't put it out there. You know, it, it, there's going to be a lot coming at you. L- look, it, it, there are st- in the Dominican Republic, everybody knows who Wander Franco is. Everybody knows. Everybody knows he has money. He is a target. He is a target. And you these guys, even the most seasoned guys like like Big Poppy. Look what happened to him. You know, you have to be super smart with your money. You got to be super smart with who's coming at you because they're coming at you for me to try to extort that money from you. These are desperate people. And, you know, people in the United States as well. So the, you you have to have mentors and, and role models and people that are around you in your circle to kind of walk you through this and tell you where the landmines are. And it just seems to me that this this young man either doesn't have that or he just completely ignores it. Yeah, again, it's hard to not go down those kind of rabbit holes when stuff like this comes out. It really is. That's why, it, and it's such a delicate thing to talk about because it is innocent until you're proven guilty and we don't have all the facts and everything. So that's why we have to preface that before we make any kind of judgment on this. Uh, but I will say, too, I mean, if this does end up being truth or any element of this becomes to be truth and everything... I can't think of anything else that's going to set... This would set back the organization a pretty good bit, in my opinion. And to a point that's going to take them some time to recover from. Because just looking at it on the field, Wander Franco is a special player. 
There's nobody that's going to debate that. And you saw that on full display on Friday night. And that's what's sad, because I wanted to come here and, and talk about the greatness of Wander Franco on Friday night, which, I mean, he's making amazing plays all over the all over the field. He had the Jeter jump throw. You said it. Jeter never did it like that, and that's so true. Like that. The walk-off bomb. Like, all that excitement that we had for Wander Franco has just been just taken away, it almost seems like, for now. And it feels almost... Like, I don't even want to, like, talk about it in a positive light. That's just the way I feel right now. It's hard to talk about the on-the-field when you have this going on in the middle of it. So, like I said, I'm just sad about the whole situation. Uh, I think we're all hoping that there's going to be a good outcome from this. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the moment, we have to just wait and see. All right, this um, really good stuff here from uh, from R.J. Martin. It says, I'm Spanish. I read, write, and speak Spanish, and there's something fishy about it. I'm not defending him at all because if it is true, it is really sick, but definitely innocent until proven guilty. Whole, yeah, thank you for doing that, RJ. And if you can give us any more insights into some of these posts, uh, we would really, really appreciate it because I'm kind of lost. But that's the that's why the first thing I said on this show is there, it's, there's extortion involved here, and when that starts, every there's a red flag, and I'm not right. believing anything until I get proof. Um, and this and, and significant proof. Mm-hmm. Any allegation can be made on Instagram. Anything can be made to look, you know, especially now with the deep fakes. Anything can be made to look like anything. So until you know there there is there's significant proof about these serious allegations, I'm not buying any of it. Um, so, and, and to my knowledge too, none of these sources. And again, I'm not I'm not up to date with my sources that are coming from the Dominican Republic or, or the news outlets. Right. I'm just not. Right. So if somebody is, is familiar with that, please let me know. But it just comes off like these are, and again, not defending them, it, it just seems like random, at least to my knowledge, it looks like random Twitter accounts who started spreading this yesterday, and then yeah. it just kind of spread like wildfire. But again, knowing the fact of what the Rays did by pulling Basabi out of the game, and I have to think they can say whatever they want, I think they knew that this was going to come out today, and so yeah, clearly they, or yesterday, so clearly they had knowledge. Like, what did the Rays know ahead of time that led them to make that decision, I guess, is the big question that needs to be answered. Did they get it from social media? Because this didn't start until around, like, noon yesterday, essentially. So where did they get their information from if that turns out to be true that they knew the day before, I guess, is the big question here. Yeah, and, you know, as as hard as it is, and again, this goes to maturity, as hard as it is to do, as a player... When this stuff is going on, you got to go to your organization, and especially if you're innocent, right, and say, hey, man, I got these people over here that are extorting, trying to extort me for $200,000 or more. And this is the story. This is what's happening. And even if you've made some mistakes in that regard, if you feel, you know, truly feel you've been duped and framed, you better get your organization involved because they can bring resources to bear that can help you. And you have an obligation as a player and a and, a, and a, an absolute cornerstone to do that. Now, I'll say that with this caveat. If you trust your organization, and I'm here to tell you that maybe he doesn't. And I, I think it's fair, as much as we want to dump on Wander, as much as we want to dump on Wander and talk about his immaturity, I don't know what this organization has done to help him. I don't know if he trusts this organization because clearly, it, you know, they've done a lot of shady things, a lot of shady things. So 
let's put that out there too. So, you know, if if these allegations are proven true, do they get out of that contract? Probably so. Uh, I just the whole damn thing, the whole damn thing stinks, and it, it once again it derails a team on the yeah. field that really had some promise. And I'm here to say, mark this point. Mark this point. You can actually go back and mark the point that the Braves went to the media. Another interesting situation. Went to the media and said, Wander's not a good teammate. And and had Topkin, you know, and, and Topkin obviously wrote the story. I'm not saying anything against Mark Topkin. I'm just saying... I doubt very seriously if Mark Topkin was digging into something and found this out and went to the Rays and said, hey, what's going on with Wander? I, maybe that happened. I don't know. But um, it, it, for for the, the Rays to have quotes in that story and be talking about it publicly, okay, maybe they had already gotten some heads up as to what's going on with Wander. And they wanted to get it out there. I don't know. And maybe – I don't know. It just the whole thing is weird, and and at that point, Nick Geddes, this team that was twenty seven and nine at one point, has gone under five hundred and tank. Now there have been injuries, I get it, but Wander is the offense, and Wander mm-hmm. went through a prolonged slump during that time. Did he right. not? He did. He did. So go back and mark that point, and that's when this team started submarining, and. Listen, it's well documented that that he's had issues with his teammates. So look, it, it, you know, I, I don't. I'm just putting a bunch of stuff out there, and all of this is 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 a bad thing. The organization is untrustworthy. the 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 player is immature. It it, it is not. This is not a buttoned up organization when it comes to you know. You look at Atlanta. You look at Los Angeles, the Dodgers. You look at all these other franchises. You know, you've got professional baseball players, mature players, mature organizations that make good decisions, build stadiums, get stuff done, do not hoodwink mayors and, 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 and city councils. They're not doing that stuff that's happening here. And you know what? It, it's, it's time for a lot of us, and, and us in particular, to move on and talk about an organization that, like the Buccaneers that are doing things the right way. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's the overriding part here is when you look at it on the field. Like I said, this is the type of thing that could tank your season in an instant uh, with the with the unnecessary distraction that this is going to create, and then not having him out there on the field. Like, let's just be honest. Basabi, he got a base hit yesterday. And everything. Basabi wasn't ready for this moment, and this came so far out of left field, and they're having to fast track him now to the majors with Taylor Walls not out there, and that's just it is what it is. Um, I, I told you kind of off air coming in. I'm at the point where it's like you got to make if you got to make kind of you know out of the box thinking decisions now, and it's like do you fast track Camonero who just hit three home runs in Double A, albeit 472 foot blast? Uh, you have to fast track that guy. Do we have to see him this year? Is he he seems like he's good enough, or maybe he could skip Triple A? I don't know. I'm just thinking of things to save the season at this point, and right now I don't see too many avenues to get that done. That's that's the, that's the grand scheme of things. Is it just? It's hard to find a path for the Rays right now to recover from all these things. It's not just this situation. It's all the other things that have taken place really after the first month or two of the season. I don't know how. Like I said, I don't know how many more band aids you can continue to put on this. I really don't. 
You can't. And, um, you know, it's sad, but this promising start to the season has turned into... It's a nightmare. This is a nightmare at the moment. It's going to be an epic collapse, unfortunately. And, you know, a lot of it is self-inflicted, but a lot of it is not. Just with the injuries that have happened to the pitching staff, um, you know, it's just tough. And the fact that they didn't spend money, you know, some of this is not self-inflicted. You could have gone out and got yourself some depth at the deadline in a lot of different well, ways. I don't know who's do expecting – I didn't know who was expecting this to happen. So, I mean, well, you want to you think that your star player in the face of your franchise, you can count on that guy. And I just think bottom line at the moment, we're being proven that you can't. Well, yeah, we knew he was immature, and um, that was known. And we knew that this team needed an offensive bump, and they didn't get it. They didn't, tur- they didn't go out and get a hitter. They well, didn't want to spend the money. It's just, look, I'm just, I'm, I'm over them. I'm over them. And they, it's just, it's a, it's a nightmare. And it's, it's, it's bad for the, it sucks for the fans because the fans really were invested in this team. They've showed up at the ballpark this year. They've done, you know, they marketed the team. There's been a lot of good stuff that's happened this year, but it seems like, you know, the, the underlying foundation of this organization is one of subterfuge and, you know, they're trying to get the stadium done and the, the back doorway it's just, it's all. I'm just tired of it. I'm just tired of it. They're cheap. They don't want to do it the right way. They don't want to be a be, be a, a responsible player in the community. To hell with them. To hell with them. I'm just, I'm just done with them. I know maybe it's, it's a little bit more personal with me, but I'm just, I feel sorry for the fans because, and the sooner the this ownership group gets out of here, the better. Because there's a lot of great people in the baseball side of this organization that are doing fantastic stuff. And this organ, this you know, the ownership group has had plenty of opportunities to step up and partner with the community, but they've chosen not to, and that's on them. If you want to make money, great, fantastic, good for you. But you know, we're going to call it for what it is. They're not. They're, this is not a team that is responsible to the community and wants to partner with the community like other organizations do. This is not. It's not what we see here. And you know, it is what it is. Let's move on to the Bucks. We got the Sal Palantonio coming up. And listen, you know, the headline for me, a couple headlines. Number one, Baker Mayfield's fine. Baker Mayfield's going to get the job done. If that, that without Godwin and Evans, for him to go out and do what he did, you know, tremendous pass to Trey Palmer. He was eight for nine. He made all the right decisions, made some really good throws down the middle of the field. Um, I just, I loved everything I saw from Baker. He was in control. He was composed. He looked like a starting quarterback, um, and Kyle Trask, frankly, did not. So I think that competition, I don't care if you want to say it's already been decided, which we talked about on Friday, which I think it has. If it, if it wasn't before the game, it has been. Um, and it doesn't really matter. Both guys are going to play at some point in this season. But I think Baker, and I heard Dan Arlovsky said it this morning, like this is no competition. Baker's the guy. That's well, right, Tom. Baker's the- <laughs> well, well, listen, I mean, I think Baker definitely, uh, he definitely extended his lead in this quarterback competition if you felt that he had the lead, to be honest. So uh, I don't think that was surprising. But to your point, yes, he looked like he had full command of the offense. And he looked like a guy who had started, you know, f- what is it, 68 games or whatever, <laughs> or whatever it is so far in the NFL. Um, so that wasn't surprising to see. And to Kyle Trask's point, you said he didn't look like a quarterback. I, I'm going to be honest. I, I don't even really know how to even judge what I saw from Kyle Trask because, to be honest, I saw some good things. And I thought it was kind of funny. They both played with the same offensive line in those games. 
When Baker was in there, it felt like he had pretty good protection. When Trask was in there, it felt like the protection broke down. When he threw an interception, it was like, what, third and 19? So clearly he was trying to make a play down the field. Okay, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I don't even know how to get, like, I almost feel like I start both guys out when I'm trying to, like, grade their performances. I probably start them both at a C, and then I kind of swing the pendulum based on where I want to go because I think C is, like, kind of a good starting point. I felt like Kyle Trask never got off the C. Like, I can't do anything to it. Burr Baker, I give him a solid A, probably an A. I'd give him a solid A for what I saw from Baker. And the other point, too, we always talk about, you know, pay attention to what they do, not what they say. And they've been saying this is a quarterback competition and Trask has a shot and all this kind of stuff. What's the rationale to not have a single, outside of Gedeke and Malk, to have a single starter on the offense playing with Baker Mayfield if this is a quarterback competition? And now what happens against the Jets? Are we going to run back the same thing for Kyle Trask? What sense is that if we're trying to get a sense on who's going to be the quarterback if they're not going to work with the ones in some capacity? That makes me infer that they've already had this made up and they're not going to put the ones out there to risk anything because they already know Baker's going to be the guy. That's the way my mind turned on that. I, I think you're reading that perfectly. And, and frankly, you know, this team is not good enough to sit 16 starters in the preseason. No, they're deaf. They're deaf. That's what we can all – I think we can all agree they're starters – I think are better than what everybody thinks they are, and they're probably a nine, maybe ten win football team with their starters in. But the depth on this team oh, has no got good. to be near the bottom of the league. Listen, I, when I saw that, I'm like, wait a minute, you know. And if this is Bill Belichick doing it, I'm not going to question him. You know, if this is Mike Tomlin doing it, which by the way, his starters played. Yeah, and they and they, they lit it up. I, <laughs> as far as I've seen. He's got a pretty good track record as a winning coach. I think he knows how to get his team ready. Uh, Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs played a drive yesterday. Yeah. Andy Reid? Yeah. Pretty good coach. I think he knows how to Sean get Sean Payton, team ready. The, the, the Broncos played like a quarter and a half of their starters. Yeah. Yeah. What What is Todd Bowles doing? I mean, again. And, and also, I, I too, to the offensive line, what have they been saying? We want to get continuity on the offensive line. Are they going to go the whole preseason without that offensive line playing a game with each game? other or at least First a series? Are going to play together? Like, I'm not even talking about... Is going to be in Minnesota? Yeah, like I just wanted to see a series just to see... Because everybody talks about the operation. Well, I wanted to see the operation. And maybe we'll get there, okay? It's just one game. But I'm hoping that at least we see the operation with the ones at some point in the preseason. It just seems kind of odd in the middle of a quarterback competition, like I said that you don't get those guys at least a series. And what do you get? You get 12 penalties for 127 yards. Yep. I mean, yeah, that's young football players making bad, making stupid mistakes, but also some of your starters, Luke Gedeke, um, who was awful. And I, look, and, and I asked Todd Bowles point blank after the, after the game, it's like it seems like he's the, the default right tackle here without any competition. What have you seen from Luke Gedeke that makes you feel he can do the job? Like, what have you seen? I've seen bad tape last year as a starter at left guard. Um, you know, you, you want to count the last game against Atlanta with had the worst pass rush in the league and nothing to play for, I guess. Um, I haven't seen anything. And he says the, the, the tape in camp is good. Well, maybe the guys he's going up against aren't very good because the guy that plays for the Steelers and not even a starter. Yeah, Nick, Nick Herbig, a, four, a fourth-round rookie. I abused him. You know, and I'm not, you know, when you could, and, and I know, I, you know, I got some messages that 
and from some people know a lot more about football than me, that the tight end didn't help him on that play, and he was supposed to. And and I yeah I I get that, and I just man I, I'm Malk and Gedeke. Malk was worse than Gedeke if we're being honest. In, if we're being honest in that game, Malk was worse because yeah. I thought Gedeke actually for the first half actually held his own. I thought he unraveled a lot in the second half in particular, whereas Cody Malk, I thought I saw him getting blown off the ball multiple times throughout the game. I thought Malk was worse than Yedeke. Yeah, yeah, the right side of the line. It's is, still the biggest we, concern on the team. He said is a huge concern on this football team. And, and you know, if Yedeke doesn't work out, they don't have many answers. They're screwed. There. They are screwed. They're screwed. They, They're totally screwed. Yeah, and, and Todd Bowles' coaching career as a head coach is screwed. I mean, I don't think people understand the magnitude of that. Like I don't is that is that too far to say Todd Bowles' coaching career as a head coach in the league is hinging on the right side of that offensive line because I don't think yeah. they're going to get anything done if the offensive line if the right side of the offensive line is going to struggle like this that's well, a huge and, leap and of faith because because like who are you going to go to if Luke Edicke is your number one option let's just say you have a shorter leash this year and it takes you two to three games to realize he's not it well who are you going to go to Brandon Walton you don't have a solution school. <laughs> I mean, you got just, nothing. Yeah, you got nothing. You, you got, got no nothing. season then. Yeah, that is um, uh, Filer's plan B for right tackle. All right, we'll move him. Well, there's a reason why he was, played. but there was a reason you why he was moved off the right tackle though by the Chargers. There's a reason. Well, but you got a guy that started left at left guard last year in Nick Leverett and played damn well. But now you automatically give Filer the job. I mean, it, it, it's getting it's getting late early. And if, if, if to me, if I were running this organization, and I know they got a lot invested in in uh, in Luke Gedeke, I would be starting to, to look at Plan B. I really would. And here, this is something from Buck's basement. I wanted to get out there because um, I think it's you know I think it's at this point this is up for discussion. Um, I think Light needs to be called out for completely wasting all of our top picks of the last three years on these experiment players: JTS, Trask, Gedeke, Hall. Malk, you know what? He ain't wrong. He ain't wrong. What? Where? What are you seeing from those players? You right want to now? throw? You want to throw Keyshawn Vaughn in there as a top pick too? He was a third round pick, and I'm here to tell you, the Keyshawn Vaughn's going nowhere. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of he was picks going over the other night. There's nowhere to go. <laughs> yeah, literally, literally. But yeah, until until we see something from these guys, it's fair to it's fair to have a, a concern about those top guys because I'm just not seeing Am much I promise. Them off? No, I'm not writing them off. Uh, Get a key. I'm close to writing off. But uh, and you know Hall and Mark, I it, it, even JTS, you got to give. Yeah, there's still time. And I, understand why, and I understand why they took Trask. They had to take a quarterback at some point to get someone in development. They needed to do that, and he was a good at that point at that pick. He was good. I'm not writing him off. Okay, um, you know if he gets beat out, he got beat out by the number one pick in the draft. You know, which is Baker Mayfield. And I know that a lot of you dump on Baker Mayfield, but. I think his story is is yet to be written. To be quite honest with you, um, he never, you know, he's never going to be a superstar quarterback. But I think he can do some stuff in this league in the right situation. Um, all right, we got to take a break, and when we come back, we will talk to Sal Palantonio and get his thoughts on these Buccaneers. He was in camp this past week and sat down with Baker Mayfield. Sal Pal, coming back. Group J E E V E S. Call for a free case evaluation 8889 Jeeves. That's 8889 J E E V E S. We're local, we're trusted. 
The law firm brings over 80 years of combined legal experience focusing on clients in Tampa Bay, the state of Florida, and national class action cases. If you're injured, get that free case evaluation, no cost to you. The Jeeves Law Group's focus is on auto, truck, and motorcycle accidents, as well as class action and consumer protection law. Scott Jeeves is a board-certified civil trial lawyer and a certified circuit court mediator practicing in the Tampa Bay area for over 30 years. You hear him on the show all the time. Great guy, big Gator fan, and great for the community. The Jeeves Law Group is a highly skilled team with years of experience that will apply their skills, expertise, and knowledge to assist individuals who have been in an accident with compensation for damages, lost wages, medical expenses, pain and suffering, and property damage. Get that free case evaluation, 888-9-JEEVES. That's 888-9-J-E-E-V-E-S. Hey guys, are you experiencing those feelings of getting older, lower sex drive, fatigue, hot flashes, moodiness, or you just don't feel like you had the vitality you once had? It's a chronic problem here in the United States. You're not just getting old, it's likely low testosterone. Studies over the last 20 years show a shocking decline in younger males aged 16 to 39. Older men have seen a sharp decline as well, so do something about it. Go see my friend Christopher Lugo at Bay Area Modern Medicine. Look, testosterone replacement is not a frivolous treatment. It takes a professional, targeted approach that focuses on total body wellness, vitality, and emotional stability. Not a one-size-fits-all approach like many clinics use. They will monitor your blood work and adjust your treatment as needed for optimal results. Folks, I've been on testosterone therapy for over six years, and it is a life changer. You will feel and look better than you did 10 years ago. Give them a call at 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. That's 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. Coming back at you. Now, more with JP on Fan Stream Sports. Only just begun. All right, welcome back to the J.P. Peterson Show, brought to you by the Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S, lawgroup.com. Get that personal attention you so richly deserve. You can contact them through the website at JeevesLawGroup.com. All right, let's bring in the man, the legend at ESPN, Sal Palantonio, NFL senior reporter for ESPN and a uh, good friend of the program and loves to come to Tampa Bay, which he got to do last week, except when it's Africa hot like it was last week. What's up, Sal? Have you recovered? (laughs) Oh, boy, I love it. You know I love that hot weather, especially when I'm out on the tennis court or the golf course. But, you know, uh, they, they treat me like a, like a king there. Head coach Todd Bowles, Nelson, Mike, PR department, they do a tremendous job. And uh, had, I had a good Sunday conversation with Baker Mayfield at a piece for Sports Center. So uh, I get the royal treatment, the red carpet rolled out for me, especially the first person I get to see in the press room is you. That was fun. It was good to catch up with boss. <laughs> well, thank you for that. You deserve it, my friend. You deserve the red carpet. Absolutely. Well, uh, you mentioned the sit-down with Baker, and uh, I loved it last night. We, we saw it, tweeted it out, and I could see you were trying to get into his mindset and where he's at you know, more than anything from a maturity standpoint, which is, you know, honestly, when he had his first press conference here, I, I, I asked those, those same similar questions. And he always seemed to give the right answer, and it seemed authentic. What kind of feel did you get? Well, I've known Baker since he won the Maxwell Award uh, for the best college football player in Atlantic City, Ron Jaworski's great program here in the Philadelphia area. 
So I've known him since uh, he came out of college. I've always liked his moxie. Uh, and I think now he is sort of dialing that back a little bit, understanding mm -hmm. where he fits into uh, the grand scheme of things a little bit better. You know, I asked him specifically <clears throat> what he, what kind of mistakes he felt like he made, especially in Cleveland. And, uh, you know, he understood that uh, sometimes he can't let his temper get the best of him. And he's got to think about what, how that's going to impact his teammates and his organization. So Baker's always had great ability. He's always had great ability to adapt, JP. Two-time National Collegiate Walk-On of the Year in FBS. Only player in history to do that. Uh, and that just tells you a whole lot about what kind of player he is and how teammates gravitate towards him. And in talking to the coaches and the players there, they like his command and control. They like how he gets them in and out of the huddle. They like his experience level. Uh, I, I, I am not ready to report emphatically, like Ira Kaufman did, that Maker Mayfield will be the starter. But it seems to me that after talking to the coaches and the players, that Mayfield is ahead of Kyle Trask. Uh, not by a significant amount, but he is ahead of Kyle Trask. And it would shock me if week one, Baker Mayfield, if healthy, was not the starting quarterback of the Bucks. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Sal. And I, I think, you know, I said this on Friday, I think both things can be true. I think the organization can have Baker Mayfield pointed towards starting in Minnesota, but also say, you know, this is a competition and we want to see what Kyle Trask can do in the preseason and maybe the regular season as well. To start Kyle Trask in Minnesota, as you know, one of the loudest buildings, even the old building and the new building, one of the loudest in the NFL. It's a very intimidating place. The Vikings are a good football team. When you got a guy with 68 starts under his, his belt in the NFL and a guy with zero, I mean, and it's, I mean, come on. The organization obviously would say, this is the guy who's going to get the ball first. I mean, that makes sense to me, right? But it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be the starter for the entire season. Is that fair? Let's look at the circumstances and let's look at the merit. Those are two important things when you're picking a starting quarterback. You just laid out the circumstances, and I'm here to tell you that based on merit of what I saw, Kyle Trask needs more NFL experience. And I would give him as many snaps as you possibly could in the preseason without overloading him. And I would start uh, Baker Mayfield week one, the first four games of your schedule. You must go two and two out of the gate. And if you don't, if Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, doesn't play well, which I don't think will happen, uh, then mm. you put in Kyle Trask after that buy, or the early buy that you have. It's here's the bottom line, and I hope people pay attention to this point because it's an important point, and it's a point you and I discussed when I was there last Monday, a week ago today. It's much easier to start Baker Mayfield and then go to child Kyle Trask. Right. than to start Kyle Trask and go to Baker Mayfield and then back to Trask. Much easier to do it the former way than the latter. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, and I guess the other point about this is, what about the team around him, Sal? Uh, I think this Ryan Jensen thing is a really, really big deal. 
Um, you know, if Ryan Jensen can't play, and right now it does not look good, I'd be interested to hear what you think. Uh, and you're, you're once again this offensive line that's teetering on, you know, the the could be really really bad. Um, after what I saw Saturday night, the right side of that line, it, that's another key, and it doesn't look good. How do you think that affects this overall offense if Ryan Jensen can't be ready? Well, I think right now it's conjecture about Ryan Jensen. He's a really tough guy. His decision not to have surgery uh, and go the old-fashioned route or, you know, the tried-and-true route, uh, yeah. you know, that's that's the rub. And, and yeah. uh, you know, it will, it will either – he will either be a trailblazer or, you know, he'll it'll be a setback for mm-hmm. uh, people who want to go the route that he went in terms of not having surgery and trying stem cell instead. So that's, mm-hmm. that's one. Two, offensive lines always struggle, especially in the last couple of years, because you're not hitting in camp at practice. So it's very difficult to develop chemistry on your offensive lines. And if you watched any of the preseason this year, this, this weekend, we saw problems with just about every offensive line in the NFL. Plus, you're not playing a lot of your starters. Carolina, New York Jets, Eagles had problems. <laughs> San Francisco had big problems. Uh, you know, you can go down the list uh, of teams that had problems with their offensive lines. Defenses are always ahead of offenses in camp. And mm-hmm. now the added problem that you're not hitting in camp makes it much harder for the offensive lines to gel. So I think the I think the overall teams are aware of it, and you know JP, in my travels this summer, the number one point of emphasis for NFL coaches is how are we going to protect the quarterbacks, and how are the hmm. quarterbacks going to protect themselves, and how are quarterbacks going to protect the football? You had sixty-eight different starting quarterbacks in the NFL last year. That's the most in NFL history, in a non-strike season. You have teams blitzing more and more, and you have quarterbacks turning the ball over more and more. The number one indicator of wins and losses in the NFL in the last three years has been number of turnovers by the quarterback position. So protect the quarterback, quarterback protecting himself, quarterback protecting the football. Those are the three points of emphasis, without a doubt. Sal Palantonio joining us here from ESPN. It was a Bucks camp last week. Well, you know, I, lo- I watch Get Up every day. And the question this morning was, will the Tampa Bay Bucks have the number one overall pick next year? I was offended by that. And I'm sure Bucks fans were. Is this team that bad? You've been to a bunch of camps. Is this team that bad? Oh, man. I thought, I thought you were going to say you watched Get Up this morning and you were disappointed that I was not on the show. Well, of course, and that goes without saying. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. They needed you this morning to set them straight on this point alone. The Bucks are not going to have the number one pick. The no. Bucks are going to be in the division title race right down to the end. Good. That's what I, that's what I want to hear. That's what fans want to hear. And and is it, it there's just too many good players on this roster it, it, to me. And my only question Mark really is the head coach and the coaching staff. 
And I, I didn't like the fact there were 12 penalties in the first preseason game. I'm not going to go crazy about that. And I also didn't like the fact that there, he sat 16 starters. And I didn't see Mike Tomlin do that. I don't see Bill Belichick doing that. I, I don't see the Chiefs doing that. Um, I mean, at least for a little bit. Don't you have to get your starters up to speed and get some some guys together? I mean, this is where you sat down with Todd. What, what What's your feel on how, how he's going to handle it this year? Yeah, 16 starters start, uh, sitting and 11 penalties in the first preseason game is not a good start, for sure. Um, I'm a big believer in giving starters a little bit of a taste of preseason action. So uh, I always like the idea, hey, you play a series or two and then you sit, for sure. Uh, with certain exceptions, like, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers does not need to play, in my view. I don't think he does. And if you remember... Uh, Carson Wentz came in and, and did not play any snaps in the preseason and wound up being the starter uh, in Philadelphia, uh, their Super Bowl year. So you can go both ways, but I think in, with this particular team, uh, I do think they need to have their starters on the field. I do. And I think you'll see them on the field in this game. But, you know, when you and I were talking in the press room uh, at one buck place last Monday, one of the points that I tried to make to you and what I've seen, JP, is there's too much practice, especially for the quarterbacks. They got to do a better job, in my opinion, of protecting these quarterbacks. Protect their arms. Uh, don't give them so many reps in practice. Uh, hmm. I think there should be at least, every team should have five quarterbacks in training camp. Five. Yeah. Absolutely. You can, you can run a lot of plays with a fourth and fifth quarterback and still have your first offensive line on the field to get them to mesh and have some chemistry and some timing. I, to I totally agree with that. Um, and, and, you know, the arm issues happened. We saw that with Brady last year. His arm got fatigued. And, and uh, I don't know if that happened with yeah. these younger guys, but still, you know, I would agree with you on that. They throw too many um, passes. They throw too many passes in practice. You know, and, yeah, I agree. You know, I, I like Todd Bowles, but I would hold those practices at night. Yeah, you know, this is a thing, and in, 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 um, you know, I, I learned this. I don't know if you remember Jeff Fain, who was a longtime center for the Bucks in, 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 in Cleveland, a number one draft pick, super smart guy out of Notre Dame. He, he played in a couple different places, said, you know, practicing in, in the heat does not give you an advantage. It just wears you out. Um, yeah, he goes, no, come I Sunday. don't like practicing in the heat. No. Yeah, it's a so said, come Sunday. Now, brother. They're playing until the yeah. second week of February, brother. Come on. <laughs> No, I agree. It just it's a and it's a it's it's a toll that it takes on you. And you know, most of these guys show up in shape, right? This is not 1975 where they have six preseason yep, games. Yep. And they got to get these guys in shape. You don't need you don't need two practices against another against another team. You don't need two practices against another team. Just one. One's good. That's it. And the third preseason game has become like the old fourth preseason game. It's totally useless. I'd get rid of it. You need two. That's it. Done. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, all right, so you've been doing your travels around the league. Um, wh wh what's really standing out to you right now? Is there a team that you say that you went and saw and said, wow, um, this, the, the, this, this could be a surprise team? Wow. I mean, I, I'll, let me flip the script on you and say this. Okay. Uh, not, impre not impressed 
so far with the New York Giants. Not impressed so far with the Carolina Panthers. Not impressed so far with the Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. Not not impressed so far with the Miami Dolphins. You know, and I have not been all to all those places, but I see cut ups of practice and I watch them. I think again the number one problem that you see around the league that we saw last year, JP, is they're not enough good offensive linemen. They're just not. Teams are drafting high quarterbacks, pass rushers, wide receivers, corners, and then offensive linemen. And, you know, you're you're just not, like, if you don't have a good offensive line coach to develop and have the patience, like, look in Philadelphia, where I am. They have one of the best offensive linemen in the, uh, line coaches in the league, in Jeff Stoutland. And mm-hmm. they drafted Jordan Mailata out of Australia, a rugby player. And it took them almost four full years to get Jordan Mailata to where they wanted him, and now he's the starting left tackle on a second contract. Yeah, And that's tough to do, right? That's a really yeah. tough to do. It's a, it's a high... Uh, percentage of players who don't make it uh, going that route. It's very difficult to do it that way. So there's very few teams right now that have their starting five on the O-line. And if you don't have that, you look at what happened in the Super Bowl last year. Andy Reid went up against the number one pass rushing team in the NFL on the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Eagles did not touch Patrick Mahomes in that game after knocking Brock Purdy out and his backup out in the, in the um, NFC Championship game. So if you have an offensive line and it's working and a quarterback to go with it, that's the key. Well, um, I hate to, and I know you know this, but Pat Mahomes has a new left tackle. <laughs> that we know quite well in Donovan Smith. He wasn't very good here last year. I know he had a dislocated elbow in the beginning, or an injured elbow, and that certainly hurt him. But um, I, I don't know how that's going to work out in Kansas City, but we'll see how it, how it affects the Patrick Mahomes. But, um, you know, that offensive line, I'm with you, brother. And, and we saw, you know, coming back to the Bucks, Luke Gedeke had a really tough night on Saturday. And Cody, Cody Mock is a rookie, and I talked to him after the game, and, you know, they, they tried to run short yardage behind those guys twice, and they got no movement whatsoever. Um, Malk was knocked off the ball a lot. That happens with rookies. And if that's where the Bucks are solidified on the right side, where they think those two guys can get it done, and I asked Bowles after the game, what, what makes you think Gedeke can do it? They said he has had good training camp tape. I, I, I don't see it, partner, and I, and I, that's my biggest worry about this Buccaneer team. Yeah, but, you know, they don't practice short yardage anymore in NFL oh. training camps. No. <laughs> I remember the Bucks used to come out. That was their first, uh, I forget who the coach was. It may have been uh, uh, Bray Perkins or something. First first, first segment of training camp, we're going goal line for 20 minutes, full contact. <laughs> I don't know if we want to go remember, back to just, that. Just, just remember this. Training camp and preseason games are for individual evaluations based on right. the matchups that they faced 
in that particular game in practice. It's not for judgments. So yeah. uh, we're still in August. We're still three weeks away. Uh, I, uh, if I were Todd Bowles, I would shift to nighttime practices. You got a veteran quarterback and some offensive linemen who could use a rest, and you got some veterans on that defense. And I would name Baker Mayfield the starter uh, right after the third preseason game so that you know exactly what you're doing. Yeah, it may be quicker than that. All right, my friend, thank you so much for being generous with your time. Great sit-down with Baker. I hope everybody can see it. I tweeted it out as well. If you missed it last night on SportsCenter, we'll maybe maybe running it again. I'm not sure, but if you missed it, you can go to my Twitter and, and check it out. Thanks, Al, pal. Appreciate it, my friend. Okay, I'll see you week three. Eagles at Bucks, Monday Night Football. Oh, yeah. Maybe it'll be cool enough for us to play tennis, and I'll start getting the uh, I'll get the ball machine out. <laughs> okay, brother. Thank you. Oh, I think JP might have gotten frozen on us here. So, uh, great interview there with Sal Pal, obviously. But we'll take a break here and see if we can get JP on. Or er, is he coming back here? Am, am I back? Yeah, I yeah, mentioned Sal. There you go. You were frozen. I didn't. I didn't, hear, I didn't hear Sal's response to the to the tennis question. He, I just, I stumped him with that one. No, he said he he said he was there. He was good to play with you. I heard it. Okay, good. I heard it. So. All right, awesome. Good stuff there. How about that night practices? I would be for it. I, I, I would be for yeah. it. I, I didn't know that when you mentioned the uh, the Jeff Fain there, that it just yeah, feels he like told it me fatigues that, them. He said, he said, by the time you get to Sunday and you've been practicing out in that heat, you know, come third, fourth quarter, you're drained, you know, or the other team's fresh. And that, that kind of made sense to me. It's like, yeah, you get used to the heat a little. I, I, don't, I don't think human bodies get used to that kind of heat. You either, you're either dehydrated or you're not, right? Now, mentally, okay, mentally, there's probably something to it. But, you know, as a professional athlete, you got to overcome the mental, right? You got to overcome it's hot. Yeah, it's, it's effing hot. It's like when you go to, you know, Green Bay in December, it's effing cold. Yeah, but your body can still work if you allow it to work. Your body can't work when it's dehydrated. It, it, it shuts down. And if you're dehydrating yourself all week long, the, you know, de- dehydration is a cumulative thing, right? If you if you wait to drink till when you're thirsty, you're done. Right, it, it's too late. So he would say, he said, like, you know, and and, and this indoor facility, that's what it was built for, really, mm-hmm. to get these guys out of the freaking heat. We had, um, you know, we used to have the cool. They had the cool rooms a couple years ago where they would go into the cool rooms and cool off during practice. I just I think this constant, you know, you know, the heat index yesterday was 111. Right, I mean, and the Bucks went inside. Yeah, you you got to do that. You got to do that. Um, I think he's right. Yeah, and plus it, it wouldn't be during my show, and I can see the whole practice. <laughs> Literally, I'm for it. Uh, yeah. But no, I think the other thing he said too was significant. The offensive line play. I couldn't agree anymore with that point, and I think that's part of the reason why, like, like the USFLs and the XFLs of the world and preseason football, when we get you know later into the game, are kind of really hard to get through, is because it's the bad offensive line play that sticks out. Like, we talk about quarterbacks, and there's only 32 of them in the NFL. That can, But how realistically, of those 32, you're almost cutting it in half of guys you can feel like, okay, they can take a team to the playoffs, right? 
So that's mm-hmm. a very exclusive position. I think offensive line is the same way. I mean, how many teams do you think you feel confident around the league, one through five down the offensive line, that you love every single guy? You probably could name them on one hand. There's a weakness, a glaring weakness on every offensive line around the league. And so what do you think about the depth then about these teams? And it's, it really is. It's interesting to me that the offensive line position over the last 10, 15 years, or maybe it's been longer, maybe it's been like this forever. Obviously, I wouldn't know. It just seems like that position really suffers the most from a drop-off standpoint around the league. Well, I think, you know, it goes back to, the, uh, you know, the formulation, right? It's like when kids are coming up, right, and they want to – and you're a big kid. You're a big kid. You're a muscular kid. You're big, right? Okay, you're going to play the line, right? Well, where do the elite athletes want to play? They want to play on defense. Right. They want to get up – nobody wants, nobody wants to play offensive line. Nobody, <laughs> nobody wants to play off – I mean, look at the athletes you have on the defensive side along the line. Okay, and look at the athletes you have on the offensive line, right? And it's what is it? It's a it's a battle of attrition, it's a battle of strength and will, you know, and quickness and technique, and you know, case in point, um, Luke Gedeke, uh versus Vita Vea versus T.J. Watt versus J.J. Watt versus Nick Bosa. Look at F and Nick Bosa. And look at Luke Gedeke. Who's winning that? Like, I don't need to see tape. I stand side by side. I'm like, that guy. Yeah. He's, they're going to have a they're going to have a physical battle to see who can hold their ground. Um, and, 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 that and, guy. And hey, by, and by the way, <laughs> speaking of speaking of Gedeke, and you know how much time are we going to continue to to let this guy continue to be out there? Again, go back to the first three weeks of the season: Minnesota, Chicago, and Philly. How about week one on the road? It's Daniil Hunter that you're going to see. The, the Vikings know better. Daniil Hunter ain't going to see a single snap against Tristan Wirfs. He's going to see everything against Luke Gedeke. Week two, whether it's Yannick Ngakwe or somebody else there, that guy can get to the quarterback. He ain't going to see a single snap, I'm willing to bet, against Tristan Wirfs. He's going to see it against Luke Gedeke. Hassan Reddick, mm-hmm. he's seeing every snap against Luke Gedeke, and they're ready for it. They're already looking at the schedule knowing they get Luke Gedeke. Like I said, you're going to know in the first three weeks if Luke Gedeke can play or not because he's getting thrown into the fire with three pass rushers like that out of the gate. We're going to know. And by the way, that's, that's just a one-on-one. Right. Like, every blitz package every defensive coordinator comes up with is going to target those two guys. Right. They're going to target those two guys. And, and that's the NFL. Welcome to the NFL. We're going to, we're going to see your weakness, and we're going to relentlessly attack it. That's what they do. Good coordinators, and um, and they, so get ready. You know, get your popcorn ready, boys. And I'm here to tell you that both those guys scare the hell out of me. Yeah. Nice dudes. You know, I talked to Cody Mock. You know, and I Luke Gedeke is. You know, he's he's a good dude. I I'm praying for both of them, but you know, it's they're overmatched. The, the they're only overmatched. the only good thing I will say that will help the matter is you have a quarterback who can move and can throw very well on the run. We didn't even talk about that when it comes to Baker's performance. How many times you saw him running, and a lot of times to his left, too, having to throw yeah, against the body, hard. and he was throwing really – he made really, his first th- big throw of the game was to Trey Palmer on that, that bootleg rollout to his left with a guy barreling down on him pretty full speed, yeah. and he made a really good throw. I haven't seen that <laughs> debate in a long time. Like, yeah. And especially, like, Jameis used to do it, but it never looked crisp. 
that looked really, really crisp. Oh, when Baker moved like Fred Sanford. <laughs> exactly. Baker's movement outside of the pocket looked really, really crisp. And that was like the big thing that I saw. And also, guys were wide open. We were promised to see guys wide open. I looked at some of the tape. There are multiple guys wide open on most yeah. of these plays. That was yeah. exciting to see. That's yeah, very exciting. Like this, this. Although I had to tweet it out. I mean, we've been waiting all all summer long for this great wide open creative offense. Yeah, the the first drive we did. We're, we're wait. We're waiting for a freaking you know. Denver omelet with cheddar cheese and bacon and sausage and everything on top of it. And we we got a stale plain bagel. With, with Keyshawn Vaughn. <laughs> Keyshawn Vaughn up like, the gut. Like, Dave, what are you doing to me, man? Three, three straight yeah. up the gut. They didn't go all the I'm way like, in. They didn't go all the way into the water on that one, did they? No, they, they people they, are like, come on, JP. It's just a pre- I know. I know this. Have a is little not, fun, everybody. We're having you know, a little fun. I know this is not what he's going to call. I've been in practice. I see what it he, is. He, listen, he, he got in a, I thought he got in a play calling groove by the second, third yeah, series. He, he got in a nice groove. Baker said that as well, and they were absolutely. I thought rolling, even like there when they got towards the red zone. I'm like, okay, the Bucks sucked in the red zone last year. What do we well, have? I, I, and they made think, that look really easy. Yeah, absolutely. Third and six. I mean, that throw from Baker to Trey Hell Palmer and that catch, folks. Let me tell you. Let me t- let me tell you, Trey Palmer, Can't Trey play. Palmer, dude, six foot plus, one hundred ninety. Look, they say he's one ninety two. He looks two ten to me. Yeah, he's bigger. But that dude running running a three three with yeah, the and, hands that he has and in by his the field way, for the game. Yeah, and where's he last little six rounds? That's what I'm trying to get at. Like, where is the flaw? He was a six round pick, so you must see like, oh, there's a flaw somewhere. He runs a four three three, like you said. He was a five-star recruit coming out of high school to LSU. Didn't work out, whatever. Goes to Nebraska, which has never been known. Well, he's behind Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Terrace I mean, Marshall. He, you can go on and on. He never saw the field. Right. He never saw yeah, the he field. He never saw the field. But then he goes to Nebraska. Until he got to Nebraska, and yeah. he sets a, a, a receiving uh, record at a place yeah. that at a place that was a dumpster fire last year, right? Yeah. In the middle of that, and has never been known for for passing the yard, passing it around the yard. So I'm like, where was the flaw here? I don't know how many receivers went ahead of Trey Palmer, but I think the Bucks. I mean, we've been talking about Devin Tompkins, and I thought Devin played well in that game also. Oh, yeah. Nothing against yes, Devin yes, Tompkins. Yes. But Trey Palmer, man, you talk about competition. Those two guys, I mean, every time I see them play, I think they're going to be right on the back of Russell Gage. I think that's fair to say already. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the receiver position looks great here. Um, I mean, after week one, uh, the receiver position, I think, is stacked. They, they got great receivers. Um, my concern on the offensive line, you know, went from, you know, if, if it's a 10 bells scale, yeah. went from seven to nine and a half. And by the way, Ryan uh, Jensen was not at practice today either. Yeah, to put I, that out there. That's the first time that he's missed two back to back days of practice so far. I think he may be uh, somewhere else getting other opinions. Um, but yeah, that's to think that Ryan Jensen is going to be there on day one. And that's the thing. You know, I, you know, I talked all offseason about. No, I would move Robert Hainsey to right tackle because he played there in, in, in Notre Dame and played really well. You know, not Central Michigan, Notre Dame. He played right tackle at Notre Dame and played really, really well. And the reason he's not there is because he's going to be at the starting center, and the Bucks knew that. They, they, they knew that, that there's a pretty good chance that Ryan Jensen was not going to be able to answer the bell, and that just cascades down. The, now that makes – Luke Gedeke, you're really only right tackle. Although Matt Filer has played right tackle, and I, you know, again, but to to uh, Bucks Basement's point, 
you know, Luke Gedeke's a high second round pick. I, you know how I love, I love me some Jason Light, but these guys got to work out. If these guys don't work out, Buck Spaceman is right. Cody Mount, second round pick. Luke Gedeke, second round pick. JTS, first round pick. End of first round pick. Logan Hall, top of the second round. Let's go. Time to step up, put your big boy pants on, and show that the GM was right. Because right now, the arrow is pointing down on all of them. I'm taking Trask out of it, but that was still a second-round pick. And I'm just, you know, I'm here to say, if I'm picking offensive line or defensive line, you better be freaking Ali Marpet if you're going to go to Central Michigan instead of the SEC or the Big Ten. Yeah. Like, I don't – I don't uh, – uh. Those guys have been through the wars. They're big. Oh, I think he might have. I think he might have froze on me again here. I think he might have froze on me. I don't know if anybody in the comments, if you hear JP talking, please let me know because for me, he's frozen here, but he might pop back in. Hmm. Yeah, I think he's frozen for good. So let me, I'll go ahead and take a break here. We got to hit one anyway. So, uh, oh no, JP, are you back? Are you mm-hmm. back again? You went frozen again. I'm back. You went frozen again. Yeah. Me, so I missed it. I, but, yeah, my, my Wi-Fi is dipping here a little bit. Yeah, um, but so. I was going to say, we probably, we could use a break anyway. So uh, yeah, let's hit the break. We'll take a break and then we'll come back and go through more. Because I had, I had some more standouts and, and disappointments I wanted to get to from the game. Yeah, sure. lots more on Bucks. And we got some Bucks sound for you as well. So stay with us here. Brought to you by Bay Area Modern Medical Center. Chris Lugo will join us as well uh, at 11.45. We're going to talk about blood work and how important it is for your well-being and having a a plan moving forward to get you to your best health. Uh, So stay with us. Quick break. Coins sitting around the house. Well, the Golden Diamond Source will purchase a variety of different types of coins and bullion. Their gold buying program includes sterling silver, silver, platinum, and watches. They also accept unusual pieces that other jewelry stores do not, such as gold bars and sterling silver flatware. The list of items they do accept is far more extensive than those they don't, so check it out. While you're there, you can check out the largest collection of any family-owned jewelry store in the country, especially... With summer coming to an end, the holidays are right around the corner. Never too early to start your holiday shopping, especially if you're planning on getting engaged or have any birthdays or anniversaries coming up. Come on in and find out what buying jewelry should be like with an expert staff of gold and diamond jewelry enthusiasts. And the best part, they treat you like family. And if you're worrying about price, don't. The Golden Diamond Source has something for everyone's budget. They even have a layaway. If you stop in and get your favorite piece now, you can have it paid off by Christmas. Plus, you can even finance your purchase with 0% interest for up to five years, and you can get a $5,000 diamond for only $83 a month. It's the greatest folks in the world. Julian Steve Weintraub, the Golden Diamond Source, 3800 Olmerton Road, always online at thegoldendiamondsource.com. JP here for my good friends at Italiano Insurance, and they did it again, once again, Italiano Insurance stepping up with the best customer service. I was in a bind. My old insurance company, my auto insurance, jacked up my rate, so I called Charity at Italiano Insurance, and she stayed till 9.30 at night until she got my insurance done, and guess what? 
She searched all these companies for me. I didn't do the work she did. Saved me $1,000 on my annual premium. $1,000, folks. That's real, real money. And that's what you get at Italiano Insurance. Great customer service. And here's another note for you, by the way, with hurricane season up. 40% of people in Florida are underinsured. That means if you have something happen during a hurricane and you need replacement costs, you're going to get 40% less than you deserve. Can't let that happen. Call the folks at Italiano Insurance and get them uh, to help you out in both those regards. It will save you money and keep you insured properly. That's 813-877-7799. Great folks in the community. Been doing it for over 60 years. Italiano Insurance. 813-877-7799. All right. This is for all you guys who don't want to go to the gym and do 5,000 crunches. At Bay Area Modern Medical Center, you can get on the new True Body Machine where you can reduce fat and tone up your muscle. It's like doing 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Define your body as you see fit. True Body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes. Just get in touch with them at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Chris Lugo and the team over there will set you up on True Body and get amazing results. Non invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime. You can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, B-A-M-M-C dot com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank, but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa, and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up, they're going down, they're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. Lots of stuff going on right now and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI. You've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa, and for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events, the biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events, the Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over Uh, Tampa Bay from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, Uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions. They are awesome. Let's go. Right now. Back to the show with JP on FanStream Sports. All right. Happy cream sickle day. As uh, the Bucks went all out at practice today, the folks from Peter Report sending out some pictures on 
what it looked like tonight at Armature Works. They're going to have a big celebration there. That should be packed. Uh, uh, the mayor's going to be there to, to declare it Creamsicle Day. Yeah. You heading out there, Nico? Uh, I will be working, unfortunately, so I will be missing the Creamsicle festivity. But the mayor's out there this morning, I saw, with uh, with Rondé Barber. Uh, they're both. She had a uh, her own custom creamsicle jersey. I was just of sifting course. through some of the press conferences, and you know how they usually have that buck background and everything. It's a creamsicle yeah. buck background. It looks amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. So love to see that stuff. All the hey hey Tampa Bay shirts. Everybody's wearing them. We got Buccaneer creamsicle flags all the way around Advent Health Training Center, and even uh, I think somebody put it in here. Was it Lonnie? He said Happy Creamsicle Day, Rocky. My Bucko Bruce cap and creamsicle orange shorts. I cannot believe anybody owns creamsicle orange shorts. That is certainly that, that, that doesn't work at Hooters. N- yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's certainly a choice, Lonnie. But I appreciate it. I like it. Mm-hmm. Also said he got his creamsicle jersey in the mail. His Brady one. He got a Brady yeah. creamsicle jersey in the mail. Make that make sense? What? <laughs> he never wore it. He would refuse to let refuse to refuse to let him do a creamsicle day while he was here. Come on. Oh, shut it. <laughs> like stop at your reality stuff right dude I, I know i talk too much reality yeah you're, you're a little too real for me here on monday a little too real. yeah yeah uh lottie wilkins a dude, a dude like what are you doing I, I spent three days in orlando around the parks holy hell i couldn't get back to the gulf coast fast how, how do you go to the theme park at disney in 111 three heat index days Three oh my God. Days. You should be at the indoor facility, bro. Yeah, you, you got to be drained. My God. Um, yeah, it, between all the between all the traffic and rude European tourists, holy hell, and smelly too. I'll tell you this one thing about around here. You don't hear a lot of English around here. You don't. It's, it, is, it is like a, a, a melting pot of languages when you go yeah, out. Yeah, Orlando, Orlando's got to be like the most diverse place in Florida, I'd have to say. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I lived there for two years, so that's why I still say Tampa Bay is the greatest place in the world to live. I mean, it it really has a um, you know a, a, a very blue collar feel to it, a very American blue collar feel to it. Not nothing against you know uh, immigrants. My family were immigrants as well. Nothing against that. We love love everybody, but it's nice to to have uh, you go you walk around and. You know, people are speaking English. It's a wonderful thing. You, you can communicate with people. They're not. And, you know, some of these people are just like, I don't know if it's a communication barrier, but they're just rude. They're very rude. You know, it's just, it is what it is. I, I love Tampa Bay. I love living there. That sound makes any, I'm not trying to offend anybody. We love everyone. We love, come visit. We, it's all beautiful. But um, come visit, you know, but please don't stay. Yeah, Please I love Tampa Bay. My, my roads are well, too. Uh, my roads Tampa are too Bay. congested. Please do not stay. Yeah, well, I'm, a lot of people are staying. All right, so a um, couple things we want to get into. So I want to give you the floor. Your 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 impressions of what you saw Friday night. What stood out? Yeah, so we went through some of the big ones. Obviously, I wanted to get into another guy who I thought easily, and I say easily, I think is the second best running back on this roster behind Rashad White, and that's our boy Sean Tucker. Um, because I'm here to tell you, he had the he had the touchdown that got called back by the Leverett holding. I saw the yes. play on tape. That was not a holding. Okay, no. so I'm just going to disregard the refs that. Refs were 
awful. Yes. They were terrible. I'm going to go ahead and disregard that and tell you that Sean Tucker scored a touchdown. I don't care what the box score says. And I thought he had some good jump there on the outside. And again, that's a guy that probably was going to be a fourth or fifth round pick. He's not an undrafted player. It was the hard issue. Based on what I saw from Keyshawn Vaughn, I thought Chase Edmonds, he had a play in there where I, and he got called back because of a holding. Shocker. He's but got some speed. He's got man. some speed to him. So yeah. I think that sh- I think that running back room, a lot of people have been, you know, asking us, oh, should they bring in a running back? I don't I don't think they should. I think no. they're okay with Chase Edmonds and, and I think Sean Tucker eventually will be the running back too in that equation and Keyshawn Vaughn, I'm 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 so I'm look, so out. Keyshawn, so out Keyshawn, Keyshawn Vaughn. Look, there's nowhere to run. I don't know what, what you wanted him to do. I'm still I'm yeah. still not where, where was four, he gonna go? We're four years in. We're four <laughs> years into Keyshawn Vaughn. Three guys on him. We're four years into Keyshawn Vaughn. I'm done. I'm done. We're Sean. This is the Sean Tucker Every running back. Every time he's gotten an opportunity, he's played well. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's stretching time, a little bit. Well, you know, he, he did have a good good coaching the last couple of years. The guy that really really liked him and invested in him. Byron, you're right. You're right. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. He did. He had and a genius. guy with a great eye for offensive talent, wizard. You know? yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Great Analyti- game. analytical Holes genius. Everywhere. All those. Yeah, things. that guy can't run. Yeah. 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 yeah he's terrible. Anyway, he's terrible. Uh, another big standout. I was so excited to see him. I thought he he made his presence known in a few snaps that he got uh yaya diaby uh i saw him pushing his weight around and getting getting to the quarterback he's got to finish he had a little bit of jts syndrome on one of those uh on one of those ones where he got through pretty easily but just the fact he just he's so big he's so strong he had his way with that pittsburgh steelers offensive line which i know it's not really it might have been their ones he had they had their ones out there right for the first drive the offensive line yeah i think he got through on that first drive at one point so that was good to see uh, Yaya Diaby, um, and then my other uh, here. Do you want to give your standouts? Because I was going to go straight to my disappointments. But if you had any other standouts, yeah, yeah. I, I talked to Yaya after the game, and uh, it's interesting. Rookies are are interesting to talk to because you know Yaya was kind of wide eyed. It's like, man, my first game, I had the jitters, you know, and I had the sack, and I was right there, and I just didn't close on it. The game was really, really fast. You know, Cody mocked the same way. Like the game was, the speed of the game was really fast. You know, these guys are overwhelmed. They're rookies, right. and you get it. And it's going to be growing pains. But uh, Yaya has he's got something. He's got he's got a thump to him. He's going to be once the game slows down for him. I think he's going to be a pretty damn good player. Yeah. I really do. Um, the guy who to me, I I don't even know if he had a good game or a bad game. He just to me is an enigma, and that's Zion McCollum, because. He got beat on the with a George Pickens touchdown. That was him in coverage, but I thought it was really good coverage. I think the ball was just yeah. perfect by Kenny Pickett, to be honest. So the perfect throw, and if I can interrupt you real quick, because I talked to him about this, and that's this is why I think is really a, a great growing point. I got it up on our Instagram, the whole interview with him. Um, he said that first he goes, he was mad about the first play. He goes, I said you were in good position. Like what happened on that play? He goes, you know what? I hesitated, and he goes, this has been my issue. I'm in good position, and then I hesitate to make the play because I want to, you know, I don't want to give up a big play, and I want to get the tackle. Then I end up right. getting neither one. And he said, and I, he went to the bench. He was pissed off. And he got pissed at himself. He said, the next time, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm going to let my instincts take over and just make the freaking play. And what did he do? He's one on one down the sideline, and he he turned. He, he was in great position. He turned his head at the right time tipped the ball to himself and made the pick. Great play. So maybe maybe this was a light going on moment. 
that you lit, you can't you can't play hesitant, man. You got to get let it freaking go. Mistakes happen, mistakes happen, but make them at full speed. Yes, and the, and the reason why I said I don't know if I'd classify it that he was a standout necessarily is because he still had too many missed tackles throughout the yep. game to the point where Todd Bowles and Todd Bowles, let's be honest, he doesn't. I mean, you asked him a question about Gedeke, and he didn't say anything bad about Luke Gedeke, right? He actually, not that it was like a, a harsh thing that he said about Zion McCollum, but he admitted that he's got to work on his tackling. And that, that's been a, that was a problem last year, and it sounds like it's been a problem so far. And then there was a follow-up question, I believe, there about well, how are you going to work on tackling in training camp where you, can't even, you don't even do that anymore. And so that's the thing. It's going to be on-the-job training, really, for, for Zion McCollum. He's going to have to figure it out. And whether that is a, a hesitation issue on his part or, or lack of focus or overrunning it, whatever it may be, that's a big problem. And, and because I, I bring it up is because the Bucks are rather, I think, a little thin behind Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean. Yes, they and are. they're an injury away from having Zion McCollum in there full-time. And I just don't know if he's ready for that. And a lot of, I mean, listen, he's a fifth-round pick for a reason. He's a physical freak, right? He can run. But he was a fifth-round pick for a reason. Okay, there are a lot of there were some deficiencies in his game. He played at what Sam Houston State, right? Yeah. So there's yeah. going to be a big adjustment to the NFL. That's going to take time. Um, so yeah, Zion McCollum, I I probably put him in that tweener section because he had some really good plays and he had some not so great plays. Uh, and the other thing too that I thought was significant, Bowles revealed this. What was it Saturday? It looks like we have our nickel corner potentially is shaping up, and that's going to be Chris Izian, the undrafted corner from Rutgers. Uh, and mm-hmm. I believe he had a nice game as well in that on the Friday. I, I got it. Uh, you know, I, I thought there were some mistakes by Izian. Um, I thought the whole entire secondary looked bad. They couldn't tackle, couldn't cover. Um, I, I wasn't. I think Kenny Pickett just sliced and diced him. I, I I wasn't impressed at all. I didn't see anything good from anybody. Quite, quite frankly, I hope the light goes on for for um, for Zion. You know, and, and this, uh, this is why I like getting into the. Uh, into the locker room and talking to these guys because you just, you see things in guys, you know, and, you know, I talked to Zion and Zion seems like a really, really nice young man. You know, he's, I don't know if he has the intensity level to play in the NFL, you know, and, and he's going to have to ramp that up. And like when he says he's hesitant, you can't be hesitant, man. You know, you look, you talk to Rondé Barber, even as a young player, man, you just got to feel like this Mofo is determined, and you know as he grew in his career, he's just he's just he's a bad man. You don't get that feeling from a Zion McCollum. You don't feel like he's a bad man. You feel like he's a really talented athlete, but I don't know if he has the intensity level that it takes to tackle in the NFL. I mean, you got to come up with an attitude and thump that dude and wrap wrap up and go through him. Well, maybe that's and, a Rondé Barber is very close to this organization clearly, and was out there today, maybe that's a guy that Zion McCollum needs to, you know, pick his brain a little bit. Because yeah. if anybody knows what it's like to be, um, to struggle initially in the NFL with the adjustment and everything, it's Rondé Barber. So if I'm right. Zion McCollum, and maybe he's done this already, but I'd be picking the brain of Rondé of how to yeah, do that. Right. Because you want about playing with no hesitation, that was Rondé Barber. Well, you, and you look at, you know, you talk to Carlton. Carlton is a man. Carlton is a badass man. And you look at his upbringing you know, through through tough circumstances in in Miami, um, you know, it, it, J- Jamel Dean, you know, similar guy. That guy has got some. You know, he's he came in as kind of a quiet guy, but now you just feel that he's got that I'm in charge attitude. You know, Antoine Winfield, same thing. 
You know, it's just there's a, just a different attitude to these guys that are real, real professionals. And that's these young guys have to grow into that. They got to grow into it fast. Yeah. You know, so I would put a lot of guys in that category. JTS, Cody Malk, Luke Gedeke, uh Logan Hall. Um, you know, these these guys, Zion McCullough. Um, you you got to step up. You know, it's it's time to put your big boy pants on and, and play. And who else did, did you did you like or not like? I I don't even know how much this one matters, but I'm going to point it out anyway because there was a there was a commenter somewhere here. I can't find it, but he said, "Is it fair to say I think it was RJ? Is it fair to say that John Wolford played better than Kyle Trask?" That's what I felt I saw. Uh, it's a third string quarterback, but I'm just going to put it out there. I think John Wolford might be the most impressive third string quarterback that I've seen the Bucks have. I think I said this might maybe when you were on to the point where if something seriously bad happened and I had to go to John Wolford, like I don't think like the game's over. Like he gives me that no. feeling. I thought he played really well in this game, and, and to Trask, I forgot to mention this too when I was talking about his his game. Keep in mind, he also had a really nice rope that he threw across the middle of the field, probably like 20, 25 yards down, and it was Keith And you know, God bless Keith but uh, he's not going to be catching passes for this team in the regular season. Any other guy on that roster is is probably making that catch. And again, it's those little things. Like the stat line looks a little differently. Instead of being 6 for 10, he's 7 for 10 with 120 yards and, and the one mistake and some bad offensive line play. So, I don't know. I didn't come away from that being so negative on Kyle Trask, to be honest with you. I just thought he kind of was kind of, you know, he was, in the mid- he was in the middle, in my opinion. Like I said, I, get, I start with that C grade, and I don't think he moved from that, but I don't think he was horrible, like some no, people I, were I saying. I don't think he was terrible. I, I think he played I think he played okay. Um for what he was given to work with, I think he played fine. The, you know, it was the one glaring mistake, which you can't make. And you, you made a good point. It was third and 19. Um, you know, you're, you're – And we wanted him to we, – we, that's the thing, too. We wanted him to take shots down the field, and we wanted him right. to push it a little bit. I thought he, he, well, he, he tried to, obviously, on that play. What I hated about it was he stared down the receiver. Right. In a third and 19 zone situation like that, you just can't stare the guy down. You know, if you're going to make that throw, you got to look right. You got to look right. You got to look right and come back and zip it left. Right. And he looked, you know, he put, he had a little half roll he needed to make to, to kind of alleviate the pressure, which kind of, you know, if you're a defender, if the quarterback's moving to his left, you know, cut off the, you, you, you basically cut off the right side. Right. So now the defender can already cheat over. Yeah. It, it was, you know, it, it just, it, it was an, it, it, you saw that thing happen in the whole way. It was an interception waiting to happen. And, you know, you just can't, th- you can't yep. make that play. Yep. Anyway. And, and a couple other things, cause there's a lot of position battles. Um, this one's a little lower on the, uh, not a player we talk about a lot, but I thought Cam Gill had a really nice game. He had a sack and a half. And yeah. listen, he's been a, he's been around here for what four years. He had a sack, had a in, the, sack in the Super Bowl. I was say he had a sack in the Super Bowl. I think every time he gets in there, I think I come away going, okay, that guy can play a little bit. And I'm just pointing it out because there's a lot of competition there, and they've drafted some guys to get in front of him. And I thought this was significant because I think he's probably battling with Jose Ramirez for that last spot. Jose Ramirez only got three snaps in that game, which is weird. So Which that and I saw Greg Almond put this out there. I think it was Greg who put it out there, and it makes a lot of sense. Where sometimes, if they know a guy's not going to make the fifty-three man roster, they'll hide them a little bit in the preseason, so other teams can't get a gauge of who this guy is. That right. way, when the roster crunch happens, they can get him back on their practice squad. Absolutely. So maybe that's 100%. what they're doing with Jose Ramirez. But I took note of that because it looks like Cam Gill might have the upper hand on Jose Ramirez so far for that last pass rusher spot. 
Yeah, I, I agree because they, you know, they love what they've seen in practice, and I've seen some one-on-ones with him, and the kid looks good, man. He's undersized. He's really undersized, but so is Von Miller. Right. Not saying he's Von Miller. Not saying that, but I'm just saying undersized guys that have speed and a great technique, which he really has really, really good team. He gets low. You know, he runs that loop so low, and, you know, if you're a big offensive tackle, that's that's hard to get down and, and get those guys. They dip under you, and they, and then they're they're up in into the quarterback. And it's a it's a really effective move for these for these shorter, quick, you know, kind of really strong guys. And that's what he is. So I I, I think you're absolutely right. So we better stop talking about him. Shh! Don't mention Jose Ramirez at all. Um. All right. What other other notes? I think I did all my bitching, but I you know I just come down to. Something just from a, you know, a, a macro standpoint. I and I hate saying it because I love Todd Bowles, but I don't trust him to get this team ready. I mean, twelve penalties, sixteen starters sitting. You know, nobody else is doing that. I, I just, it, it, I don't know. I got. I, I want this team to be. I, I think Baker Mayfield's your guy. I think that's clear now. Um, I, I, come on. Like, let's go. Let's go. This is not a team that should be resting all of its players. These people on Get Up think you're going to get the number one draft pick. And a lot of it is because of the coaching. You know, where's the accountability? I, I just, there's no, this is the same shit we saw last year with stupid ass penalties. And I know it's early in the preseason, but we're, you know, where you're practicing practicing these guys outside, you're not running the starters. You're just I'm not sold on what he's doing with this. Yeah, football and, team. and whereas and whereas I watched last, I watched at least the first half of this game yesterday because I wanted, I was curious who I was going to see with the Saints and Chiefs, and the, the Saints had uh, one drive with all their ones out there, everybody. And I don't know if you saw the drive, but Derek Carr looked damn good. Yeah. And that offensive that that offense was moving. They got everybody involved, from Michael Thomas to Kamara to even Jimmy Graham had a catch and everything. They got those ones in there, went right down the field and scored and got them out. That's all I really wanted to see. I just wanted to see that. I don't think the Bucks are a good enough team, like they have been in the recent years, where they could get away with maybe not having to play their starters, and you could be like, all right, whatever. It's just a preseason. Right. You, to you me, you just have to me you have with one a, of the youngest teams in the league right yeah, now. To me, with a especially with an offensive coordinator who's never called plays before in the NFL, I think it would be best in their interest to get at least a series where Dave Canales is calling these plays with the ones, so he can figure out what he can do and what it looks like. I still got a good feel for what it looked like. Don't get me wrong. And I guess this is a good thing. The fact that it looks so good after the first series with Baker in there with twos gives me a lot of hope, I guess, for what it's going to look like when they do get the ones in there. And obviously, you clean, you would, and theoretically, you're going to clean up a lot of those issues with all the ones that are in there. So I guess that is a, a silver lining of Theoretically. Sort. Yes, theoretically. theoretically. But I still would like to see at least one, at least a little bit of it. Football is, is about execution, right? And if you're not practicing it and perfecting it, you're not going to be good at it. And it, it, you have to practice it and simulate as real a game situation as possible. And the preseason games give you an opportunity to do that. It's football. People are going to get hurt. But if you're if you're saying, I'm not going to let anybody hurt while you're wearing their ass out in the heat in the morning, right, mm-hmm. instead of going inside, it, it just it seems contradictory right. to what, what you're trying to get done. And 
Um, this is too young of a team to be po- po- holding your starters in game one, in my opinion. And these guys need to practice. They need to perfect. They need to get some confidence going. And I can tell you this. Dave Canales did not call those first three plays. That was a defensive coordinator saying, we're going to be physical up front, and we're going to run the ball right down their throat and just prove that we're going to be a physical offensive running football team. Uh, that's, not their, that's not their DNA. They don't it's not have... their DNA, and it's not, it's not the NFL anymore, man. It's not the NFL. This is not – you can't bludgeon people to death anymore in the run game and, and, expect, and think that you're going to win games 17 to 13. It's just – it's not the way the NFL works anymore, and I, I, I'm not sure Todd Bowles gets that. I'm all for not turning the football over and, you know, being physical in, in the, you know, in the run game to help the balance of the team. And I'm not here to say that that's the way they're going to start every game. But if, if the whole offensive philosophy is we're going to run the ball and be physical and not turn it over and, and not, you know, no, that's not, that's not how the modern game works anymore. And I'm afraid Todd Bowles really feels that he can do that. Yeah, we've been saying it right since the beginning of the season. The biggest thing that could hold the Bucks back outside of this offensive line, the right side of it, is Todd Bowles. I mean, that's that's just the end of the story. It's it's. I feel like we know who Todd Bowles is by this point as a head coach, and how much are you going to change after five years? I don't know, but hopefully that happens. Um, I did want to get to this little update real quick, uh, and this was from practice today. I had mentioned uh, Ryan Jensen not practicing today or yesterday. Uh, we got as definitive as an answer, I think, so far from Todd Bowles today. And I'll read the quote here. Um, he said, when we go into the season, I don't think we're going to have anybody if they haven't practiced. You're always prepared if somebody gets hurt or if somebody's going to stay hurt. So we prepare way, that way every day. So that has not changed. So that, to me, I thought is very telling, that first part of that quote. That if you haven't practiced, we're not counting on you being here. So it seems like this is we have to prepare, and the Bucks sound like they're doing that. This is going to be the the Robert Hainsey, Nick Leverett show for right now. And the status of Ryan Jensen can't count on him. No more can we count on Ryan Jensen. I think for this season at the moment. So that was a specific question about Ryan Jensen. Yes. And he said, if you're not basically if you're not practicing, you're not going to be playing. Right. Wow. Well, two years in a row, not having your, your, your star center, it's, it's, you know, I said it last year, go get somebody. But the minute he went down, I said, go get a veteran. Go get him. You got to go. You know, I even went as far as say, you know, Jason Light's not that dumb. He's, he's going to go get somebody, of course. You got to have – you can't just go in Tom Brady's final season with a rookie center. You can't do that. Like, that's crazy, right? And – yeah, it's it, it. Brian Jensen isn't in there, folks. It's a cascade. Um, that's that's how this. That's how the Bucks get the number one pick in the draft. Yeah, I think we. It's like come to the point where you know we can be as optimistic as we want about this team and say you know they're going to win eight games, they're going to win nine games. But there's so many other factors that are going against them that we can't lose sight of, and that's head coach. This is a head coach quarterback league at the end of the day. That has always been true. No. And you have one of the bottom five head coaches in the NFL, for my money, yeah. who's probably on the on the on the short list to be the first by record, right? By record, by record. Yep. Yep. you have a quarterback who, albeit looked really good, mm-hmm. is still a wild card of sorts with Baker Mayfield, and Certainly you have an proven commodity, and you have an offensive line that right now does not look like it has the ability to hold up. 
for a 17-game season. So you put those factors into it. I don't know, honestly, looking at it. And try not to overreact over one game. But I don't know if you can count on the fact that maybe they're going to outdo what everyone's saying. I don't know if they're going to be number one pick bad, but they might end up being a team that's in the bottom half of the league. Well, listen, I know for a fact that they're counting on Luke Gedeke getting the job done. They have confidence in him. That's what Todd Bowles told me. That's what people inside the building are saying, um, that he needs to work out. And if that's where you're – if that's what this season is hinging on, oof. how's Caleb Williams looking? <laughs> Stop it. And Drake May. Stop it. I'm not, I'm not entertaining that Drake one. May. I'm not entertaining that yet. I'm not going to entertain that. We get midway through the season and they're like one and seven, then we can start talking about that. Maybe we'll draft the Heisman Trophy winner from this year. Jordan Travis. I knew you were going to point. I knew you were going to say Jordan <laughs> I'm Travis. I'm kidding, folks. I'm kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Hey, we already did that Florida State thing, man. We ain't doing that again. <laughs> How'd the Gator thing work out? That's not working out either. All right, quick break. We'll come back and uh, get into some other NFL stories uh, over the weekend. It couldn't... Uh, some other baseball stories. You see what Cedric Mullins did yesterday? Oh, my. Um, and a couple other nuggets from the weekend. Uh, we're brought to you by the great folks at Extravaganza Productions. If you have a meeting coming up uh, at Charity Events, uh, a big event that you have been doing for years and years, and maybe you want to switch it up and do something different, well, how about talking to the folks at Extravaganza Productions? Because they will give you a free creative session with them. They'll show you the whole warehouse, all the great props they have. And they'll tell you what they can do for you. Maybe you want to switch it up, do something different. Maybe use a different company. Extravaganza Productions is the best in the business. They've been doing it in Tampa Bay for decades. And uh, just call my friends over there, uh, Paul Thomason and Dolly, and they will hook you up, that free creative session, and uh, really kind of feel like what you can do for whatever your budget is. They'll have something for you. So just go to the website, extravaganzaproductions.com, and contact them through there. Tell them JP sent you and get that free creative session. Back in three. Stay with us. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank, but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa, and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up. They're going down. They're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com, or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz, the mortgage guy. Lots of stuff going on right now, and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man, Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. JP here for my good friends at Italiano Insurance, and they did it again, once again, Italiano Insurance stepping up with the best customer service. I was in a bind. My old insurance company, my auto insurance, jacked up my rate, so I called Charity at Italiano Insurance, and she stayed till 9.30 at night until she got my insurance done. And guess what? She searched all these companies for me. I didn't do the work. She did. Saved me $1,000 on my annual premium. $1,000, folks. That's real, real money. And that's what you get at Italiano Insurance. Great customer service. And here's another note for you, by the way, with hurricane season up, 40% of people in Florida are underinsured. That means 
you have something happen during a hurricane and you need replacement costs, you're going to get 40% less than you deserve. Can't let that happen. Call the folks at Italiano Insurance and get them uh, to help you out in both those regards. They will save you money and keep you insured properly. That's 813-877-7799. Great folks in the community have been doing it for over 60 years. Italiano Insurance, 813-877-7799. During COVID, over 1.7 million people were added to the Florida Medicaid rolls. But as of April 1st, 2023, most of these people may not be eligible for the Medicaid coverage and will lose their health plan. If you have been notified you are losing your coverage, don't freak out. It's very likely you can apply for a federal subsidy under the Affordable Care Act. Just call 877-652-0244. Our representatives will walk you through the whole process, get some basic information on your income, number of kids, and then they'll find a plan that best fits your needs. In fact, with the new laws, 90% of Americans qualify for reduced or free health care. You can select great plans like Florida Blue, that's my carrier, love them, paying $800 left after making the call. 877-652-0244. Our highly trained professionals know all the intricacies of the new laws. They will do all the work. You save tons of money. So if you're being dropped from Medicaid, fear not. Call 877-652-0244. Get real health insurance, free doctor visits, free blood work, no deductibles. 877-652-0244. Hey, JP here for Extravaganza Productions Incorporated, EPI. You've probably seen their purple logo at so many events that you've gone to. They are based in Tampa, and for over 33 years, they've been creating and producing conferences, meetings, and special events, the biggest to the smallest, solid reputation of delivering the best audiovisual, sound, lighting, entertainment, video production, and decor on time and on budget. I've worked with them with so many big events, the Warrior Games, which was an Olympic-style event all over uh, Tampa Bay from McDill to the Convention Center to USF. They did it flawlessly, made it look big and fantastic. I've worked with them on small events as well, uh, large and small meetings and conferences, sporting events, fundraisers. If you got a fundraiser, you don't know the logistical way to pull it off, they'll take care of everything. Entertainment events, branding events, grand openings, so much more. The folks at Extravaganza Productions are the most professional and the best. I've worked with them many times. They are fantastic. You can contact them through extravaganzaproductions.com or call 813-621-4700. Extravaganza Productions. They are awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, let's rock. This is FanStream Sports with JP. All right, welcome back to the JP Peterson Show, brought to you by the great folks at American Mortgage Services. If you are in the market for a refinance or you got a lot of credit card debt that you've kind of been racking up over the past uh, few months because everything is freaking going for the roof. By the way, 8% inflation, who are you kidding? Who are you kidding? Who these these experts are. If you need some more money to pay your bills, that refi might be the way to go. Get those credit card bills down to a low interest rate. American Mortgage Services, Scott Fitzgerald, he'll give you all some great advice on how to manage your money. Uh, Get that refi, pay off higher uh, interest credit cards or or car loans, and make those dollars go as far as possible. He's probably still got some equity in your home. So find out what you can do. Just uh, email him. Scott at amstampa.com. Scott at amstampa.com. Um, all right, Nikki. Um, we got some comments I want to get to uh, today. Let's run through some of these. You took out some of your favorites. Um, of course, I'll start with this one from Lonnie. Oh, I knew you were JP's rant on the raise was so valid. I'm tired of giving money and time to an organization with an owner who does not care to give back to the fans 
or the community. Bucks and bolts are always celebrating. Got that right, 100%. Um, he, he continues, Rays had the family game where it was 25% off all merchandise. I noticed they pulled all the Devil Rays jerseys claiming they were, quote, sold out. Then a day later, it was fully stocked again. How about that? How about that, Nick Geddes? I hear nothing. I see nothing. This is who they are. This is why, you know, you know, and, and this is, by the way, we've what, almost 48 hours in this cycle for the Wander uh, allegations against him, right? And I'm starting to lean more towards this is extortion, this is bullcrap, and, 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 and look, I know these are serious charges, but the Rays should have a pretty good handle on what's going on, who this girl is, what the ha- what's happening. Is she 21? Is she not 21? Like, what's happening with this? And I don't know if we're at the end of this story yet. We'll find out what's going on eventually. But do you trust the Rays to handle this well, the right well, way? Keep in, Does keep Wander in mind. trust the Rays to handle it the right way? Keep in mind, what this they- has become a this is a Major League Baseball issue now, though. With the Rays working with MLB, I think that's essentially that this comes the MLB Thank office, God. and whoever's in charge there I think is probably going to be running this investigation, good. I would have to assume. So yes, not saying good. the Rays are completely like out of this investigation. I'm sure they're going to do whatever they can to provide assistance for what they know and everything. But I think this becomes an MLB issue now. With them, with them being involved, but as as I said, we know it's a shady operation up top. That's given, and then for them, and I'll reiterate this point because we were going to play the cash post. You want to play the cash post? You want to play the the, the soundbite about Wander, right? Yeah, yeah. There's the two questions at the end. Yeah, let me uh, get that here. We'll play it. Because Was there this more is involved with Franco not playing today than just a day off? No, just a day off. Because yeah, there was some speculation we saw him leave the dugout in the game and then come back. Yeah, I'm aware of this speculation. I'm not going to comment any further on that, but um, his, the day off was because the day off. That's, you know, I, I, as I said, I'm not putting that on Kevin Cash. Somebody in the organization told him to say that, and that's patently a lie. Because Basabi right. was, was taken out the night before, sent to Tampa Bay, and Wanders played 40 days in a row. I get it, but it was yeah. his promo day with the snapback hat. Um, yeah, and this was I don't pretty- believe that for one second. And for them to tell uh, Kevin Cash to say that, and then for the statement to come out after the game. Right. It makes Kevin Cash look like a fool. Yeah, and, and, and this and, is a this is a good point too that Jordan G and I was going to bring this up. He reminded me here, like last season, this happened with Ian Cole with the Lightning. Uh, he said slandered and accused of something similar last season, and the NHL cleared it pretty quickly. But social media ran with it, and it obviously became a much bigger deal. Um, so yeah, that there is precedent there at least in this market. We've seen what happened last year with Ian Cole, and to what Jordan G said, that was handled pretty quickly. So maybe that happens here. I don't know. This seems like it's pretty layered, to be honest. And it seems like there's so much maybe misinformation out there about this or unknown information. So uh, clearly it's going to take some time for Major League Baseball to, to put all the facts together here before anything is, is certain. And this is another important point from Jordan that I also brought up in the beginning. This girl literally admits to extortion. She should be locked up. She asked for 200 k in a Ben's WTF. I'm glad he didn't pay 
tells me he's confident in his ability to clear his name pretty quickly. Absolutely. I mean, if I got to... If I got to take a guess right now, that's where I'm at. This is clearly extortion. Yeah, it could be. I said I said that from the very beginning. Once you once you admit to extortion, your credibility goes out the window. It, it, and you don't think that this that there are people in this world that would try to play this game with him? Well, you didn't know she was 14 years old. Well, no, because she's driving a car, has a baby, and is drinking alcohol on her Instagram. If this is the woman. That is well, question. I want to know. I want to know where the timeline is too. When when this relationship takes place, because even if it if it's found out that she's not a minor, and it was just a consensual relationship and this extortion, I still have questions about Wanda Franco only because of the fact that I believe Wanda Franco is married. He's very private with his personal life, but from everything I've understood, he is married and has two kids with his wife. So I want to know the timeline of this whole thing, because obviously that becomes a personal issue, right? But still, is it the best look for Wander Franco regardless? And again, if the timeline is that he was dating this girl during being married and having kids, it's still not a good look, is it? No, it's a terrible look. But, um, you know, again, to me, the, the only thing we know right now is the girl is admitted to extortion. Right. And 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 so, you know, at that point, you know, and, I, and this is why I hate... Everybody posting stuff on the internet, um, you know, the memes and all this stuff. And you know, we're already going to go to the, the believe this woman who's admitting to extortion that she's 14 years old. No, I don't. I don't. Um, now, if it turns out to be true, well, then fine. You know, well, not fine, but it, innocent until proven guilty. That's still the way we're supposed to be in this country. Right. And again, I don't trust, and I'm glad MLB is involved in this now. It's a great point you make, Nick, because I don't trust the way. Look what the look how the Rays have handled it already. They try to sweep it under the rug. Then they have their manager go out and tell a bold faced lie that it was just a regular day off, and 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 then uh, ten minutes later put out a statement that clearly it wasn't. If I'm if I'm Kevin Cash, I'm pissed. I'm pissed that they made me do that because he didn't do that on his own. Ain't no freaking way. And why are you doing that as an organization? Come on. I, you know? I mean, I don't. I don't know. We can go down all the the theories that we want. I don't. I don't know what the right thing is to do in that situation. I really don't. I just don't. All right. Well, uh, some other stuff we need to get to. Uh, Cedric Mullins is back with the uh, with the Orioles. First player ever to rob a go ahead home run and then hit the game winning home run. At least in the last ten seasons since they've been tracking yes, this I particular. See, the metric. Orioles continue to. Expand their lead on the Rays. You know how are they doing it without top flight? I, I, I don't know. I thought they were gonna they were going on a West Coast swing against Seattle. At least the Rays have struggled up there. I thought Baltimore would, and then they go out there and and, and win that series. So, I mean, they're just they're playing free. They just have nothing to lose. They're a bunch of young guys all learning at the same time, and now they get the guy who's the most experienced in that lineup, and Cedric Mullins back. And you're reminded of the fact that he's pretty damn good. It's pretty damn good, and that's another jolt to them that Baltimore gets. I still have my questions that eventually this pitching staff in the postseason is going to yeah, hold together, the and they're putting yeah. a lot of wear and tear on Yanir Cano and Felix Bautista. Yes. They're putting a lot of wear and tear on those guys. Starting to show. Starting to show a little bit. I don't think Bautista had the blow up there against Houston with Kyle Tucker, and Cano has not been nearly as effective the second half of the season as he was in the first half. So I still have my doubts of Baltimore holding it together in the postseason. But for now, they may, they may very well go on to win this division. Um, 
And the other thing I saw last night, too, and I had to LOL at this one, it made me feel a little bit better, was the Yankees, who continue to just reach new <laughs> levels of suckdom, uh, giving up five runs in the ninth inning against the Marlins to drop that series and fall further to, into last place in the AL East. And it's, it's hilarious. I find it very hilarious, to be honest with you. They can't do anything right. It's, it, it, that's the only thing that makes me feel better about what's going on with the Rays right now is the Yankees are not going to touch the postseason, and I think they're in for a major, major rebuild in the offseason. Yeah, who's doing that? Brian Cashman? <laughs> they said he's probably going to come back next year. You can believe it. I, I hope so. I hope so. I hope he's in charge forever. Yeah. Because he clearly has no clue what he's doing. Um, all right, so we mentioned uh, Derek Carr. Uh, Anthony Richardson started this past weekend, had a, 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 a interception that reminded Florida Gator fans of stuff uh, all too familiar. Right. Um, but he's going to start. He's going to have growing pains. Um, I don't know if he's a, if he's going to be a great quarterback in this league, but uh, you know they've said he's played well in camp. I haven't seen much of it. I'm just interested to see him play. That that to me is going to yeah. be worth the price of admission. Yeah, and this kind of goes in with Anthony Richardson. And I'll throw C.J. Stroud into this equation as well. Yeah, these young quarterbacks, and I took note of this. This is so fascinating to me. The quarterbacks that are rookies that had the best weekends. In their debuts, Stetson Bennett, Aiden O'Connell, and Sean Clifford. Those three guys were all mid-round picks, but you know what they all have in common? They had they played a lot of football in college. That's right, a lot of football in college. And so, this is why when we talk about quarterbacks coming into the league, and we love to just fast track these guys, we love to put them in bad situations behind bad O-lines and bad supporting cast, and really, most of the time, I don't think they're given a fair shot. I don't think that's fair to those guys. But these guys who have played a lot of college football, they come in, and they seem to be more seasoned right away. Not saying Who else is in that list? Who? Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy, exactly. Um, it's just fascinating to me, and it's just another lesson. Like These guys who are ultra-talented, who maybe you know played two years and got out, it doesn't mean that the light's going to turn on right away in the NFL, where no, some of these guys who have, who have 30 starts under their belts or 40 starts in Desmond Ritter's, um, in, in his side, obviously, those guys might have more immediate success in the NFL. Well, historically speaking, those are the guys that are successful in the NFL. You can go through games started in, 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 in college and games won in the NFL. It's a very similar track. Guys like Trey Lance. Look at Trey Lance. Trey Lance still doesn't you know, get it. He 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 no. does not. He doesn't understand how to play quarterback. He doesn't. He, he doesn't process the information fast enough. And it, and you look at the reps that he's had in game time situations. This, by the way, top bowl. game time situations matter, right? And Aunt Trey Lance has had so few reps. His last year in college, he played one game. He he, he plays played hardly any in the NFL. He just doesn't have any reps. He hasn't had thrown that many passes. He played seven on seven football in high school. He hasn't played a full college fo- or a full season of football since 2019. We are almost to 2024. Okay, and Sam Darnold, who everybody has out, just out. We've already written the book on Sam Darnold and closed it and everything. Looked like he was better than Trey Lance yesterday when I was watching. Yeah, he knows he's he, had more experience. He doesn't understand it. It's just it just it's the end of the story. So yes, I think in general, like I don't understand. Like you said, Anthony Richardson is going to start. Listen, Gardner Minshew is probably a better quarterback right now than Anthony oh, Richardson. 
There's no question about that. I don't like, have to. No I don't have to. About I don't ha- unless you are viewed as a one of those can't miss prospects, and I don't think anybody in this draft necessarily was. Like I said, they all had flaws. Do they? They don't all have to play right away. It's very likely that Davis Mills is a better quarterback right now than C.J. Stroud. Andy Dalton played pretty serviceable to to decent football last year for the Saints and is a veteran in this league and has seen everything, and he's not past it. He probably could be better than Bryce Young right now. I don't have to put these guys in at the moment. I wouldn't. I I just don't. There are certain situations that just beg play the guy, and those are the ones with guys, for me, who have had 30, 40, 50 starts in college. Those guys, to me, I'm going to trust. Or if, or if you're viewed as a prospect who didn't have many. Like Trevor Lawrence, for example. Like, he played, what, three years of college football? Yeah. He had three he had, years of college football, and he was seen as, like, what, the best prospect since, like, going back to Andrew Luck, right? Yes, absolutely. Get that guy in there right away. 100%. But, but I mean, for all these other Anthony Richardson 13 starts, he doesn't have to play right away. I think sometimes you end up doing damage to a quarterback when you do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just because they play doesn't mean they're going to be great, but they're going to be much more ready to play in the NFL. I mean, Patrick Mahomes had the had to got to sit behind Alex Smith for a full year. You think that didn't help him? Of course it did. And, and you know, and it's just that that is um, that is just part of part of the deal for for guys getting acclimated in in the NFL. Yes. And and I, I just like the. the the Anthony Richardsons of the world, the Trey Lances of the world, are just the, the deck is stacked against them already. So why throw them out there and ruin their confidence? Because that's a thing too. Confidence is 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 fragile. You throw you go out have a you know a four pick game, and you know suddenly the game that was supposed to slow down for you is just ultra fast, and you have ruined your confidence. It's it's a bad idea. It's like you know I can't miss prospect in baseball coming up too quickly. Yeah. He gets to the major leagues and he's seen, you know, he's seeing real curveballs for the first time. I mean, badass and going up against the best of the best. It just ruins your confidence, and you can't. It's it's a dangerous game to play for a quarterback as well. But we'll we'll, we'll and good organizations don't do that, right? In my opinion, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, we didn't talk about this just because I saw the clip. James Harden is doing a, uh, I guess, a tour in China. Uh, going out and doing speeches and whatnot. And he got up on a stage today and called Daryl Morey, who's traded for him twice. And these two are about as close to a player GM relationship as you could have called him a liar and repeated it. So and said that he won't play for an organization that he's part of. Right. So it's a him or me thing. Um, You know, in the, in the NBA more than any other league, the players run the league. And I, I just, I got I got no time for James Harden. I'm no. sorry, the guy he's he's never happy. No, he's never, never happy. happy. And I got I got news for you, it's past your prime, bro. Exactly. You're, you're, how many how many more trade requests is James Harden going to continue to make throughout his career? I feel like there's a trade request every single year from James Harden. At some yeah. point, it's just you, buddy. It's yeah. Just you. I'm not saying Daryl Morey's the best GM in the world. He had issues with Chris Paul and everything too. So part of it is Daryl Morey. I understand. But James Harden just seems to everywhere he goes, he's got issues. I got no time. I'm I'm so yeah. past the James Hardens, the Russell. I'm I'm past the era, that era of player. I'm done. No, I, I and just the NBA in general having it's just not a good look for the league. You know this constant movement of your superstar players. Um, you know demanding out here, getting this there. It's just it's not. I enjoyed it when the coaches coached. 
the players played and the GM GM'd. You know, I just I think it, it's a better it's a better model because the player doesn't always know, it doesn't always consider the macro of the team. You know, it's always just about him, right? And what what's good for him, and that's not necessarily what's best for the organization. You have a CBA, you have no trade clauses. You can you know, to some way control these things, but just to say, I'm not going to play for my 37 million dollars contract. And, and when you're 33 years old and not as good as you used to be, mind you. I mean, think about that. I, I refuse to play for my $37 million contract. I mean. And the guy's already made, what, like 500-something million in career earnings at least? He's got to be pushing there? Really? Yeah. He's made a lot of money. Sorry, yeah. I, I can't boo-hoo with you. I, I just can't. And it's basketball. You're being asked to play basketball for a living.